So, what's one of the biggest questions many of us as Christians have as we seek to follow Christ? Yes. What is God's will for my life? Thanks. You got a preview. I told you what. But thank you. Thank you. So what is God's will? As Christians, as we seek to follow Christ, I think if you're like me, um, you know, I ask that question all the time, especially big life changes, right? I, I graduated college last May, and that, that's huge. You know, everyone comes up, so what are you going to do now with your life? That's a very intimidating question. What am I going to do now? Maybe uh, you, you've lost a job. Uh, maybe you've moved. Maybe you just graduated uh, you know, high school or you know, junior high or whatever, you know, and so you might ask, what does God want for my life? What should I do with my life? And so that's kind of what I want to talk about. Um, you know, these questions we ask, like, am I doing what God truly wants me to do? Am I in the will of God? Am I missing it? Did I miss the boat somewhere? Uh, did I miss the wrong, the right turn down the, this path that I'm on? Did I miss the right Bro, something, you know, what's going on in my life? Did I miss it? Um, or you might even ask, what should I do today? What should I do right now? And if you're like me, those, you struggle with that. Especially in our culture, right? In America, we have so many freedoms to do or be whatever we want. We can go to college. We can pretty much go to any school we want. If we get the right degree and the right piece of paper, we can do just about anything. Uh, so it becomes especially important, I feel, in, especially in America, as Christians, uh, to be able to answer uh, this question. So, so today I want to talk about that. How do I know and walk in the will of God for my life? Uh, this is kind of a follow-up to last week, especially uh, last week Pastor Rich mentioned uh, just getting in the game, doing something, starting somewhere, serve, you know, serving, jumping in the game. So as we do that, you know, these are some, some ways, some principles I'm going to talk about today today. Uh, to be sure we're in the will of God, we're doing what he wants us to do. So when I start to panic, which is maybe, you know, at least once a day, you know, what am I supposed to be doing? And you start to worry about that. One of the things I like to do is turn to Romans 12, uh, one, verse 1 and 2. So let's turn there. So it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So in these verses, I see four, four basic steps to knowing uh, the will of God. Uh, first, consider what God has done, and that we see it in the beginning, uh, by the mercies of God. And so consider what God has done, the mercies that God has done, the things God has done on our behalf. Second, I see uh, the point of surrender, presenting our bodies, surrendering to God. Third, I see to resist the world's mold. Do not be conformed uh, to the, some uh, versions say the patterns of this world. And finally, I see number four is uh, getting our, our minds washed, you know, getting our, you, we, get, we all go to the car wash, right? We need to go and get our minds washed daily in the Word to get God's thoughts. So those are the four th steps that I want to go through today, um, step by step here. So first, how do I know the will of God? Well, 
first we have to start with, with God and what God has done on our behalf. And as we see there, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. So whenever you see, uh, I heard a Bible teacher one time, he said, whenever you see the word therefore, you must ask, what is it therefore? Why is it there? So therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. So because of these mercies of God or what he's done on our behalf, that's, that's where we need to start. And so what, so this whole idea of following God and doing his will, we have to start with who God is and what he's done for us. And if we don't start there, um, you know, we start with our ideas and thoughts. So let's, um, let's go through. What, in, in the book of Romans, some of the mercies of God that were already presented, does anybody know what some of those, those mercies of God are from the book of Romans? Okay, grace. Okay, that's definitely. What is grace? Okay, undeserved or unmerited favor. And really the, the strength, the ability to do God's will, the grace of God, having the grace of God. Okay, what else? What are some other mercies of God presented in Romans, those of you who, who know? Okay, justification by faith through Jesus. Romans 5.9, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. So this concept of justification, wow, that's amazing. That is a mercy of God. We didn't, he didn't have to do that for us. Okay, so that's one. What's another one? What, what, what do you know about Romans 8? Okay, God's working, working on our behalf. All things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So God working on our behalf, that's a mercy. He doesn't have to do that. Okay, good. Considering these things, what's, what's another one? How about um, Romans 8.37? Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So we have power, victory over sin, victory over um, the things in our life through Christ. We have this, this victory. So we have power. We have justification. How about adoption? Right? We're grafted in as the church. We're grafted into God's kingdom. Remember, originally, you know, we um, you study Genesis. You look at God's chosen people, the Israelites. Well, we as Christians, as believers in the church today, we're grafted in. We're, we are a part now of God's family, so we're adopted. Uh, how about Romans 6, 4? We are buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even, even so, also we should walk in the newness of life. So we have this identification. We're identified with Christ we have power. We have freedom from the bondage of sin. So all these mercies that God has done on our behalf, uh, we have available to us. So we have to start there. So Christian living must start with what God, has, what, it, what God has done. Paul, in his letters, often he goes through that. In Romans, you look at the first uh, you know, 10, 11 chapters, what God has done for us. And then you look at verse 12, uh, chapter 12 on, you see... Now, what do we do with that information? Now, what do we do? What's our responsibility? Um, so step one in knowing the will of God is, is starting with God and who he is and what he's done, meditating on, on those things. Okay. 
So I beseech you, uh, Romans 12.1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, because of what God has done, because of what he's already done on our behalf, past tense, what he's already done, because of those things, present your bodies a living sacrifice. So the second step in knowing the will of God is surrender, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. So how much of, God, of me and you does God want? He wants all of us, right? Our bodies, that includes our mind, our soul, who we are, our dreams, our behavior, our to-do lists, our money, our activities, our plans. Did I already say that? All of us, all of us. God wants all of us. To know God's will, we must surrender our own will. So God wants you. He doesn't just want your work or your activity. He, he, does want, he wants you. So the surrender comes first, not, oh God, just tell me your will, and then I'll decide if I want to follow you. You know, if God would only just spell it out for me, then I would, you know, I would really see, is this a good plan or not? And then I would, and then I would follow him. No, the step, the step two in this, first you, we, we focus on who God is, and then secondly, we surrender. We present our bodies a living sacrifice. We lay it all down. And this, this idea of a uh, living sacrifice, it, it, it refers back to, the, in the Old Testament, you know, this idea of a burnt offering. And if you know anything about the burnt offering, how much, how much was given on the burnt offering? How much of the, uh, the animal, the sacrifice was given? All of it. It was all, it was all burnt up and consumed. All of it. So God wants all of us, all of our hearts. Only then will we know Truly, his, his will for our lives. It's not, you know, half in, half out. You know, a couple months back, I like this, uh, Rich, Pastor Rich used the phrase, all in. Texas Hold'em, I hope you don't play Texas Hold'em regularly, but uh, so this concept of all in, right? You push all your chips in, you're all in. You, you've abandoned yourself to the will of God. You've surrendered your heart and your life. Okay, so that's, so it's an issue of trust. Do I trust God? With the outcome of my life, with the outcome of my surrender, do I trust him? Do I truly trust him? Is he able and capable and smart enough to do more with my life than I am? And the answer is yes, if you were wondering. Uh, he is definitely capable of doing more with my life than I could ever imagine or think. So it benefits us, really, in the end, to surrender all of it to God, to put, put it out there. The burnt offering, the whole thing, a living sacrifice... This means coming to the, into the presence of God to present yourself. We have to do something. We have to take a step. We have to present. We have to, uh, you know, you hear pres presentation, right? You present. You, you put yourself there. Okay, so in some way, we have to take an active choice in uh, presenting ourselves to God. Saying, God, here, here I am. This is my life. You, you have it. Take all of me. Um, but what happens when... We sin or make mistakes. What, what often, what's, what's one of our natural, uh, I'd say, a, a default mode when we sin or make a mistake? What do we do oftentimes? Turn away, make excuses. We hide, right? We hide. We hide from God. We hide from people. Uh, oh, that's the pastor on the caller ID. I don't want to answer it. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm struggling with something. I just, you know, I, I want to. Stay away from that. I hide from my Christian friends. I hide from um, God. I don't, I maybe skip out on my quiet time. And then what's that, what's the result? What happens? 
it's deeper and deeper, lies upon lies. You, you know, just, it's kind of like when you're a kid. I don't know if you've ever had any of these situations where you, know, you break mom, mom's lamp. You know, she's away, the babysitter's around or something, and you, you break mom's special vase or lamp, and, and what's the first thing you want to do? Blame somebody else, hide it, or try to, try to fix it. So you're the crazy glue and trying to fix it, stuck to your hand and all this. So that's, some things never change as, as Christians. We still, we still do that. Adam and Eve in the garden, what's the first thing they did? They try to cover it themselves with the, with the leaves. Um, but, but none of that ever works. And God doesn't, you know, we're not, we're not fooling anyone. We're not fooling God especially. Um, and so I think this is our reaction as Christians. Oh, no, now I've done it. That's it. I, oh, no. And we stay away from God, and we stay away from Christians, and the days go by, and, and, the, and the gulf gets, you know, wider. But let, let me encourage you that God doesn't expect you to fix it yourself. He doesn't expect you to live the Christian life on your own, apart from him, in your own strength. Okay? So as we present ourselves, even in all that, all that we are and all that we aren't, as we present ourselves to him, it, it's a daily, sometimes hourly, sometimes minute, I find. It's a living sacrifice. I'm constantly battling myself. And so, so let me encourage you, don't hide. Don't hide from God. Don't hide from your Christian friends. Your brothers and sisters, don't hide from your pastor. Let's hope not. Um, but let's be honest. Let's come clean. And as we do that, as we present our bodies a living sacrifice, God, that burning process, God will burn up those things in us as we lay our lives on, on that altar. He'll burn those things up, and he'll change us and set us apart, as it says, as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So that, that burning process, that process of cleansing and purification is something God does through his spirit, not something he expects us to do on our own. So when we're struggling, I know the natural tendency is to hide from God, to, to, to run from him, but let me encourage you to run to him and surrender. And, uh, and it, really, this comes down to humility. Uh, humility says, I need him. I'm not as cool or awesome as I thought I was on my own. I, I need him. And and we're all in that the same boat. We all sin, fallen short of the glory of God. Like I said, He doesn't expect us to be holy apart from Him. We need we need Him and His presence to to burn us, uh, burn up those impurities. Um, so point point one, as we said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. So one is we focus on God, who He is, what He's done. Secondly, we present our bodies a living sacrifice. We surrender. Um, you, you, might, you may have heard this quote, uh, an English butcher and lay preacher by the, by the name of Henry Varley um, in sharing with D.L. Moody, encouraging him, said this uh, statement, the world has yet to see what God will do with a man fully consecrated to him. So there's this idea before we can really know and walk in the will of God, there is a point where we must surrender and consecrate and set ourselves apart for God's will and God's service. So, let's continue on. So that's step two, surrender. I just want to quickly go over this, um, where it says, this is your reasonable service. Let me ask you, that: why is it reasonable to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice to God and surrender? Why is that reasonable? Okay. Because of what he's done, because of his mercies. 
Okay, any other thoughts? Why, why is this reasonable? I'm sorry? Yes, we're, we're already his anyway. It does, you know, God is, a, in a sense, a, a gentleman in that he doesn't force, he's not going to force you to be a robot for him. He already owns you anyway, but he's giving us the opportunity to surrender. He's not uh, going to force his, his way in our lives. He's not going to force his will. Free will, having the free will is part of his, his, his love, is how he created us. So we have this free will to give it back to him, to give it back to him. And that's, that's the way he's designed it. Look at 1 Corinthians uh, 6, 19 through 20, if you want to turn there. This is a good one to, to highlight. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. It says, or, you, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So there we see that we're, we are not our own. And what, what's the price that he paid for us? What, what did God pay for you? What did he use as payment? His, his blood, his, his very life. And so he bought you at a high price, and you are his. We are his. If you've surrendered, if you've asked the Lord uh, into your life, if, you've, um, if you're born again, if you're a believer, then you're his anyway. Uh, so that's your reason. It's reasonable. It makes, it makes sense based on all that God has done for us. Okay, so God, in his goodness, his, his foreknowledge, in his omniscience, okay, he, he knows and can do anything. And so what better person to surrender your life to than, than God? So that's reasonable. That's reasonable. Okay, step three. In verse 2, we see now it, it goes into um, this idea of our mind and, you know, protecting our minds from, from the world. So let's look, uh, verse 2, it says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So step 3, we see a resisting, to, we need to resist the thinking patterns of this world. So resisting the thinking patterns of this world. Do not be conformed to this world. So in this, in this step, I want to talk about, I want to answer four questions. What does the Bible mean when it talks about the world? What are some sources that the world uses to force us into its pattern of thinking today? Three, what are some of these false patterns of thinking? Let's identify some of these. And four, how does this relate to knowing the will of God? So what does the Bible mean when it talks about the world? It says, do not be conformed to the world. So what is this world? Well, the world was created by God and claimed to be very good. God said it was very good. But then sin entered the world through, through Adam and Eve. Right? Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. So originally the world was very good. Sin entered the world through Adam, through Eve, and it basically corrupted this, this world. So we see sin, we see death, we see murder, the corruption in the kingdoms of, of man, kingdoms of uh, people, governments, and things like that. So we see this corruption rooted in the world's systems. 
An example of this early in, in history, right? We see the account of the flood. Okay, things were wicked on the earth. The world turned naturally gravitates towards sin. Things got worse and worse. God brought the flood, judgment. We also see the Tower of Babel. Okay, everyone got together and they were going to, you know, they had pride and they wanted to um, exalt themselves above God. We, we don't need God. We can, we can do it on our own. So we see some of the evidence of the world and the way it thinks is we see pride and we see rebellion in, in both of those uh, cases. The world is also influenced by Satan himself. 1 John 5.19 says, We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. So the world is under the sway of the wicked one, Satan. He fell as a result of his rebellious nature, and he has been at work causing rebellion in the lives of others. We see one-third of the angels fell. Why? They, they rebelled against God. We also see Adam and Eve, they rebelled against God. They listened to the, to the evil one. And today in the world, we see Satan at work causing rebellion in the world's systems. The world has set itself up against God. It's resistant and opposed to God and God's way of righteousness and God's way of thinking. Someday Jesus will come back and set all that right. And we're waiting for him and looking to him. But in the meantime, we have some warnings against the world. 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So we see you know, this issue of covetousness, you know, wanting all that the world has to offer. You know, so we're to resist that. Um, we also see what is pure and undefiled religion. James 1.27 says, uh, To visit orphans and widows and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. So the world is at work uh, trying to corrupt us, corrupt um, the government systems, and, and to ultimately rebel against God. So that's the world. Kind of give you a little bit of background. What, is, what does the Bible mean when it talks about the world? So that's what we're talking about. The second question, what are some sources the world uses to, to get its message across to us? What are some sources? What do you think? TV, yeah, that's a big one. Okay, what else? Internet, yeah. It can be a great tool, but it's also, you know, a, a channel by which these things, the world's thinking and mindsets pour into our homes. What else? What is it? Videos, right? We got um, Hollywood, okay? Music is a big one, right? We got these iPods. Now, now with technology, I mean, you can get all this stuff anywhere you're at, any time of day. You get this stuff pumped into your head, right? Into your mind, into your heart, all these things, the world. What else? Magazines, books, sometimes literature, depending on, you know, that was in some ways in the past, that was, you know, we didn't have internet, so... Sometimes books, ideas, ways of thinking. Okay, all these things are bombarding us. How about um, popular culture? Right? How about schools, times? How about um, the break room at your work? Right? That's lunch break. I, sometimes lunch break is like the worst. I just want to go hide in my car somewhere and eat my lunch. Now, God doesn't call us to, you know, abandon the world. He wants us to be a witness in the world. But we do have to, as we are a witness, we have to battle against uh, 
you know, these different things. You're sitting in the break room and everyone's just, you know, bantering about whatever. And it's so easy to get caught up in, into the way the world thinks. Okay, so now that we've identified, okay, see, so these are some of the avenues by which the world uses to get at our minds. So what are some of the false patterns of thinking? So what are some of these false? Let's just go through, um, let's see, pride, right? As, as, the, as we just read, um, resisting, uh, you know, not loving the things in the world and wanting to be like the world. How about keeping up with the Joneses, right? That, that's, a, that's a class one, having all the things, having all the stuff. That's, that's a concept of the world that God wants us to resist. Don't be conformed to that. Don't let, don't let that pattern shape your thinking and behavior. If you do, how are you going to know what God's will is in your life. If you're so worried about the Joneses and what they're doing and their yard and how it looks and the new toys and all the things they have, you know, that consumes our lives and how we have no room for the will of God. And so that's something to, to think about, keeping up the, with the Joneses. How about, and these are concepts that float around. Maybe we identify them. Maybe sometimes they just float around there and we never, we never realize what's going on. I need more stuff to be happy. What that one? If only I had, then I'll be happy. You know, fill in the blank. If only I had uh, a wife, I'd be happy. If only I was single, I'd be happy. I mean, there's, it's, there's always something, right, that, that we think is going to make us happy. Um, all those things come from, you know, ideas in the, in the world. How about, um, you know, just this idea that the nature of, of Satan and his, this idea of rebellion, right? We have this, these concepts in the world in the culture, you might find people that say things like, well, if I'm smarter or more capable than my boss, then technically I don't have to listen to him because he's not, you know, I'm smarter than him in this area, so I'm going to do it my way. That's not a principle from God's word. That's, that's straight from the world. How about um, I don't have to listen to my mom or dad if I, you know, since I know better, right, I don't have to listen to them. How many times have we gotten in trouble with that one? Um, I used to think my parents didn't know a lot, but as time went on, I, you know, I realized that they were pretty smart. So, uh, so that's one. The world is always at work trying to fit us into that mold. Um, you know, music. You got uh, now. This is an old song, but it just kind of came to me. You can go your own way. Is that, was that Journey? Or is it? It's very, very old. So, some of you laughing. What is it? Oh, is it? I, so I'm not very good with names and music. Is that you can go your own way? These. And there's, I'm sure, I don't listen to pop, you know, music, so I'm sure there's a lot of messages in, in music today. But you can go your own way. Is that from, we get that from God's way of thinking? No, that's the, that's the pattern of the world. You, you're the captain of your own ship. You know, you just need to just to man up and, and be a self-made man, you know. Pick yourself up by the bootstraps. That's not a concept from, the, no, I need, I need him. I need God. I need his strength. I need his sufficiency. I'm not sufficient in myself. Um, try it. Everybody's doing it. You don't want to be different, right? That's the classic peer pressure. Even as adults, we still, we still, we're not, we think we're something. We're adults. We get, grow up and we think we're better than that. But peer pressure is still at work in our lives, isn't it? You know, on the TV, we see all these things. Everybody's doing it. How about, it's okay to have sex before you're married as long as you love each other, Right? No, that's not, we don't find that in the, in the Word of God. We're not going to find that. So these concepts of love and relationships, the world is pumping these things into us. Um, even religious institutions, right? If you're committed to your religion, God will accept your service and someday 
open the gates of heaven to you, as long as you're committed. You know, if you're committed to your cult or whatever you do, as long as you're committed, you'll be okay. No, that's not what the Word says. So these things are pumping into us. Um, as long as my good deeds outweigh my bad, I'll get into heaven? No, that's not what Scripture says. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So these mindsets come from the world. Sometimes we, you know, sometimes they're obvious, but sometimes I struggle, you know, in the break room, like I said, break room advice. You know, I often find that I maybe accept these things without questioning them or without putting them through the filter of God's word. I just kind of accept like, you know, follow your heart, you know, those things. They sound so good, you know. You graduate high school and it's like, just, you know, just follow the path of your heart, whatever your heart tells you. Well, the Bible says our hearts are deceitfully wicked above all things, and who can know them? The Bible also says to trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. So it's filtering these things. Just follow your heart. Please don't write that on a card to me. Um, so, so we have these, these concepts of success, you know, money, power, happiness, uh, so maybe solving life's problems, you know, get even, you know, these things that we hear, but the Bible says to love your enemies. And, and really, what is the, why does God, God doesn't say these things in his word to punish us. No, he wants to bless us. He wants us to have a fulfilled, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And it, what you often find is if you follow that break room advice, if you follow the patterns of the world, the world is out to just destroy and wreck you under the sway of Satan. The rebellion and all those things, all it does is destroy and wreck your life. That's, that's all that it's out there to do. So it's not like we got to, you know, listen to God and, you know, do the right thing or else, you know, punish us. No, there's laws of just, laws of nature, laws of reality. It's just the reality. If you follow these messages of the world, if you conform and allow the world to form you and conform you into its pattern, you're going to find that in the end, you're very miserable, always chasing happiness and always chasing these things. It makes you miserable. That's, in a sense, why um, I became a Christian. You know, being in the world, it's, it's bankrupt. It, it had nothing to offer me, whereas Christ has life and life abundantly. And so that's, you know, I just kind of want to point that out. It's not God's word is for our benefit and for our good. He has our best intentions in mind. So how does this relate to knowing the will of God? Well, I think that we need to recognize that this world is trying to hijack our minds. The world is not apologizing for it. The world is not shy about it. The world wants to hijack you, your children, your family, your Christian home that you're trying to, to, to design, to try to build. The world doesn't care. It is going to come in any way it can. Any way you open that door, it's going to... It's, you know, get it, get its foot in the door and then kick that door open to come in and, and wreck, steal, kill, and destroy. So the, there's a battle for, for our minds. So that, that is, you know, so in following God's will, if we turn our minds over to, to this world, we're not going to know what God wants us to do or be able to follow him. I'm running out of time. Wow. <laughs> So that's step three. Don't be conformed. Resist this world. Resist the patterns of this world. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought 
into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So there's a war in our minds, and we need to be aware of that and be filtering the things we hear, the friends we have, the messages we're hearing. We need to filter that through God's word and capture these thoughts and hold them to, in obedience to Christ. Then we will know and be able to understand and listen to and follow God. We need to get rid of all those, the, the noise, right, so that we can hear God's still small voice. And then we'll be able to follow his will. So first we have um, to know God's will. We have realizing what God has already done. Second, we have surrender. Third, we have resisting this world's mindsets. Fourth, we need to get our, and we kind of already talked about this, but we need to get a mind wash. We need to get our minds washed in, in, in the word of God. It says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So there's a transformation that God wants to do. And the, tra- the word transformation is the same uh, word that we get um, metamorphosis. So we find this is an inward work. It's not an outward, you're not forcing yourself to change on the outside. No, it's as we get God's word in our hearts, allow his Holy Spirit to work in us, to use that word, that message to get in our hearts, to penetrate our lives. There is an inward work that will take place as we meditate on God's word throughout our day, as we memorize the word of God. And so this, this process is an inward work, a transformation. God wants to transform your life, my life. So how does this relate to the Word of God, getting our minds washed? Well, I think we need to be aware of feelings when we're making decisions. When we wash our mind in the Word, be aware of those feelings, like, how do I feel today? Well, I don't feel so great about my husband or my wife, or I don't feel so good about the speaker today, you know, I'm not going to listen to him. Or, I feel like everyone's looking at me. You get those? Come on, admit it. I feel, I feel, I you know, some of these, I feel like everyone hates me. I feel like I don't have any friends. I feel like no one likes me. I feel like God doesn't love me. You know, all these, you know, these feelings, I don't feel good today, so I'm not going to do what I should do because I don't feel so great. I like to call these things automatic negative thoughts or ants. We get ants in our brain, automatic negative thoughts. So God wants us to get rid of those things and be renewed with the word of God. So renewed with things like, God loves you. That's in the, in the word. God, Jesus will never leave or forsake you. So when you have these automatic thoughts of, oh, no one loves me, everyone hates me, it's, you know, God is never going to leave you or forsake you. And, and so it's washing our brains with what's true. You've heard this, if it feels so good, how could it be so wrong, right? Well, how many of us know what feels good for the moment often brings the pain of uh, consequence, right? We all, I think, experience that. So renewing our minds, obey what you already know to be God's will. So being obedient to his will. So we have these four things. We have surrendering, we have um, acknowledging what God has already done, getting, getting God's, um, you know, what he's done, the reality of what he's done in our brains. Secondly, we have the surrender, the idea of surrendering it all. Before you know the outcome, surrender. Um, third, we have do not be conformed to the world. And, and fourth, we have uh, renewing your minds with the word of God. And then it says, and then, then you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So after all these things, after that surrender, meditating on God's word, renewing our minds, after all these things, 
then God will do a renewing work in us, transform us from the inside out, and you will know and be able to walk in and prove what, what is God's will for your life. So no more will, you be, you know, will, we, will we be floundering around, what should, what should I do? You know, I don't know what to do. It'll, it'll be there as we surrender, as we give um, our lives to him. So there are a few more things I wanted to cover, but I'm kind of out of time. I don't think I'd have enough, to be honest with you. Um, so let's, let's, let's pray. And I don't know where you're at today. Maybe, maybe you're thinking, well, I don't struggle with that question, the will of God. I don't even care about God. Maybe, that, maybe that's you today. And, and really, I just would, would ask you to, to consider and, and, and surrender your life to him because he knows what's best. He has your best intentions in mind. And this world will chew you up and spit you out as quick as it can. And so, you know, I'd I'd encourage you to to surrender your life uh, to him if you've never done that.